I'm Carson Horn, and it's Monday at 10, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. I've played the scene over and over again in my head, but unlike Hollywood, I can't rewrite the ending to Saturday night. We're going to talk about the Iron Bowl and all that was from that game. We're going to talk about this season as a whole and where Auburn goes from here. We've got to talk about some Auburn basketball as well. This is the last show of the semester. Going to do my best to make it the best one that we've had all year. There is so much to unpack, so much to discuss on today's show. I'm going to try to get it all in the most efficient way that I know how. So make sure you stay tuned. You are listening to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. Thank you all for tuning in, whether you're listening live or listening on podcasts. I really do appreciate it. And I know many of you do not want to relive Auburn losing the Iron Bowl Saturday night in the fashion that they lost it in. I don't think many Auburn fans expected to win, but it's a lot more painful when you feel like you're about to, and then it seemingly gets snatched away from you. That I was there. I was injured in Hare Stadium on Saturday night. I was ready to storm the field, and then Isaiah Bond caught the touchdown pass on a fourth and goal from the 31-yard line. I'm not going to spend too much time trying to go through the details of all the things that Auburn could have done, that Alabama could have done, that, that would have possibly changed the outcome of the game. I don't want to relive it. You don't want to relive it. I'll talk shortly about that game, and then we're going to move on to the season as a whole and looking ahead because I do think better days are ahead for Auburn football. But as I mentioned, the opportunities to win the Iron Bowl were there. I don't like to say... Auburn should have won the game. I don't, I don't like to say that very often about any game because other teams, whoever your opponent is, in this case Alabama, can point to things they could have done better that they could have argued that they should have won the game, and they did. But you can't deny that the opportunities were there to win this football game for Auburn, multiple opportunities for Auburn to win this game, to seal this game. Ultimately, though, they weren't able to do it. I mentioned that Alabama's a better team than Auburn. Auburn needed to have that 1 out of 10 type of game. They came very close to having it. Just weren't weren't able to seal the deal. I'm not going to sit here and and debate Ron, you know, Ron Roberts' defensive call there. I'm not going to sit here and talk about Auburn not getting into the end zone there on the and their second and final drive and having to settle for a field goal. The Coy Morris fumble, the giving up the touchdown for the half. We can point and talk about all those things. They're irrelevant now. Auburn did not win the game. They had their chance to, and it's painful. It it, it as an Auburn fan, that's probably the most painful loss I've experienced since the 2013 National Championship loss. And you think, well, why Auburn was you know not a good team this year? It shouldn't be that painful. For me, I think it had to do with just being in the stadium, being there in person, thinking about how fun, how exciting it was going to be to get to storm the field, and then that seemingly being taken away from you. I can't imagine the pain that the players felt. If you know, just the the pain that fans are feeling, triple that for for the players and that coaching staff. I I do feel for them. It was a huge missed opportunity. There's no doubt about that for Hugh Freeze in year one to have that statement win. He wasn't able to get that statement win this year. 
you know, he had the opportunities that we'll talk about against Ole Miss and Georgia, but wasn't able to get that statement win. But long-term, Saturday accomplished what it needed to accomplish. Hugh Freeze was able to, to show recruits an incredible environment. There's nothing like Jordan-Hare Stadium, especially during the Iron Bowl, especially going into the fourth quarter with the lead in the Iron Bowl. Jordan-Hare Stadium fans did not disappoint. They could have easily packed it in after the New Mexico State loss. They did not. Auburn fans showed up. They showed out and made it a daunting environment for Alabama. And that, that impressed recruits. Auburn battled. They competed. They had the chance to win. That also impressed recruits, not just the commits. The commits were torn up about the loss just like fans because they are bought in. But even players who are not committed, they were bought in. They were ready uh, to see Auburn pull this game off. And Hugh Freeze and this staff did what they needed to do on Saturday to impress a lot of recruits that can come and help change this program in the long term. And that's the message that Hugh Freeze is able to sell. Auburn came up just short. They can sell the message, look, you were on this team, we don't lose that game. We just need a few more pieces, see? And that makes the argument a lot easier when, when you're that close instead of how it might be if you, if you get blown out. So that's all I really want to say about the Iron Bowl. I didn't take too much time on it, wasn't planning on it. What I want to talk about is what's next for this Auburn team. The regular season is over Auburn will play in a bowl game. They finished 6-6 six and six in the regular season. Yes, I was just barely wrong on my season prediction. Thought for sure I was going to be right. Didn't have a show last week after New Mexico State. Kind of glad I didn't. I had a lot of thoughts out there. If you want to go and read my thoughts, nothing has changed since that game. Um, the article still out there that I wrote, about 1,000 words. Uh, we're, we're putting that article kind of breaking down the New Mexico State loss and what it meant since I didn't have a show so that article is still up on WeGoFM.com if you want to go and read that. But say all that to say, Auburn did not get to seven wins. They finished 6-6, six and six, but that still gets them into a bowl game. We'll find out Sunday what that bowl game will be. I can say this, because the SEC did not have enough six-win teams, the Birmingham Bowl, barring I think maybe Alabama and Georgia neither making the college football playoff, the Birmingham Bowl won't get an SEC team. So highly unlikely, highly unlikely that Auburn will have to play in Birmingham. So I think we can all celebrate that. No offense to the Birmingham Bowl, but it will be good that Auburn will hopefully get to head out of state to some other bowl game, maybe a little bit of a higher level bowl game. So that'll be coming up. We'll find out on Sunday when that game will be. The transfer portal will open up on December 4th. In-home visits for coaches can start this weekend. It's about to get crazy. Early signing period begins on December 20th. That's just what's to come. This is the craziest time of the year for college football. It actually is beneficial to teams who are not in contention for championships because it does allow you more time for recruiting. I, I mean, just an insane a period is about to begin. What's the bowl roster going to look like? That is my biggest question for Auburn. Hugh Freeze is speaking to the media right now. He probably doesn't have the answers to that at the moment, but that'll, that'll be a big question because in this day and age in college football, there's plenty of bowl opt-outs, and with the amount of guys that Auburn expects to enter the transfer portal, I think it'll be a, a good amount of players that they enter the portal on December 4th when it opens. There's no telling. 
and it's unfortunate because I, you, you want Auburn to finish with a winning record. They win the bowl game. They'll finish with a winning record. But bowl games come down to who has the most players play in it, who wants it more. And so we'll see. And that's why you can't put much stock into bowl games anymore, unfortunately. They still matter a lot to fans. Doesn't matter as much to a lot of players. That's not the case for every player, but for a lot of players, it does not. So what will DJ James and Marcus Harris and Nehemiah Pritchett, guys like that who do have a chance to go and play in the NFL. There's not many not many on this Auburn team. There are a couple. So what do those guys do? Do they decide to play in the bowl game or not? That'll be something to watch moving forward. So what is the state of the Tigers? I'm bringing that, that segment back. Did it a few weeks ago. The regular season is over for Hugh Freeze. Year one, almost over. You'll have the bowl game, of course. So as I mentioned, Auburn finished six and six. I thought they would finish seven and five, but overall, it's still improvement. It is still improvement from last year. Hugh Freeze's goals he mentioned was to make a bowl game. Listening to him on the Paul Feinbaum show on Friday, I was there live. He 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 said, uh, and I quote: After spring practice, he said, "If you had told me we would have made a, a bowl game, I would have said thank God." So Auburn made a Auburn made a bowl game. I think that Hugh Freeze is very glad about that. There's no doubt that that losing to Mexico State was a disappointment. And again, I didn't get to talk about that game. Not going to dive too much into into that. But Auburn made a bowl game. They'll have a chance to still have a winning season. Lost to Ole Miss by seven. Lost to Georgia by seven. Lost to Alabama by three. Those games will absolutely haunt Hugh Freeze that he was not able to pull off one of those upsets. But in the long run, it doesn't matter. That's not what this year was about. Only thing I thought that we need to see this year on the field was to make a bowl game because that meant you improved from last year. That was the only thing that mattered to me this year on the field. Yes, I would have loved to have seen Auburn beat beat one of the three of Ole Miss, Georgia, or Alabama. That would have been incredible, would have been awesome. But in the long run, that is not what mattered. What mattered was starting to establish your culture and recruit. And Auburn, so far, has done that very, very well. Look, I understand people will, will point to different different things. Auburn didn't win, didn't beat a team with a uh, winning record. I get all that. Here's the deal. Auburn won all the games they were favored in this year besides New Mexico State. But they beat Arkansas as an underdog. So they won one game as an underdog. They lost one game they were favored in. Balance that out. You pretty much won all the games you were supposed to win. So what does that mean, though, for this program moving forward? I want to read this quote from Hugh Freeze. I tried to get the the audio of it, just didn't come through quite right, so I figured I would just read it. This is what Hugh Freeze said after the game on the future of this Auburn program. Quote, unquote, we're going to be one of the elite programs in the country. I really didn't have a vision for this year other than try to get us to a bowl game and improve us from week to week. Can't say that every week I felt like that, and that's why you're hard on yourself as a coach. We've got to look at ourselves as coaches every single week, every single day, and are we demanding a standard that's going to get us to that elite status? That combined with recruiting classes that are comparable to the upper echelon. I mean, we can't recruit in the 30s and 40s and 50s and expect all of a sudden to walk out there and be great coaches. Got to comment on that quote in a second. 
I continue, it's a combination. You've got to coach to a certain standard, and you've got to recruit somewhere close to level par to the way those guys and some others in this league are, referencing Alabama. That's the end of the quote there. The 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 first I want to comment on on the the quote talking about can't recruit thirties forties and forties and fifties and expect to all of a sudden walk out and be great coaches. Well, a certain former head coach at Auburn thought he could do that. He thought he could just out coach everyone else in the SEC. That's not how it works. The majority of the coaches in the SEC are elite coaches. So you've got to, you've got to find something that differentiates you. You've got to be. On, on par, as he mentioned, talent-wise, to be able to compete with these coaches. You could argue Hugh Freeze out-coached Nick Saban on Saturday night. Alabama just had more talent at the, at the end of the day. We knew that going in, and, and Alabama pull, pulled the game out. This program is headed in the right direction. I have no doubt about that. Nothing has changed. That didn't, The New Mexico State game, that didn't change my mind. Just because Auburn barely, uh, barely lost to Alabama. I'm not being swayed by emotion here. And that's what I've tried to make the point on all season. And you, if you've been listening to my show, you know I've been consistent with this. I, I've said this all year. The program is headed in the right direction. I'm not allowing one game to sway me. I'm not allowing this season to sway me one way or the other. Auburn loses the bowl game, finishes 6-7. and seven. That's still not going to sway me. I don't want that. I'd love for Auburn to finish with a winning record. They haven't, Auburn hasn't had three straight losing seasons since the 40s. I don't want that. But it's not going to change how I feel about the direction of this program. Losing, having a losing season and that causing Auburn to have three straight losing seasons, it's not Hugh Freeze's fault. He wasn't coached the last two years. And so I, I've seen the argument, but it's, it's by a minority of the Auburn fan base saying, well, Brian Harson went 6-6 six and six in his first year. You're right, Brian Harson went 6-6 six and six in his first year. You know, the roster that Brian Harson had was so much better than the roster that, that Hugh Freeze inherited. Auburn had some playmakers at wide receiver. Auburn had some dudes up front with Colby Wooden and Derek Hall. Auburn had Bo Nix in, in 2019. Auburn didn't have that this year. And so it's not comparable. Brian Harson was also not recruiting the way that Hugh Freeze has. Hugh Freeze has multiple five stars already in this class high-level four-stars, has beaten Alabama for multiple recruits, has flipped a recruit from Alabama, is not comparable. The culture is better. He's got buy-in. He's got uh, support. And even with the depleted roster, Auburn was able to compete in games they shouldn't have been able to compete in this year. And if this continues, Hugh Freeze is going to have Auburn in the thick of things very, very soon. I'm not saying it's necessarily going to be next year. There should be improvement next year. But Auburn will be back, and they'll be back very soon. I've got more thoughts on this. We've got to get to our first break. When we return, we'll keep talking about Auburn football and the program moving forward. Stay tuned to Talking Tumors. The next month, as I've already mentioned at the start of the show, is going to be crazy. Hugh Freeze is talking right now to the media as you're listening live, and and so I was just reading a few comments that he he's already made here in the first few minutes of his of his press conference and he reiterated what what I've already said that that this next month's going to be about recruit 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 and that doesn't mean just high schoolers that doesn't mean just the transfer portal that also means your current roster now I'll say this Hugh Freeze may not say it publicly there will be some guys that you'll have to have a conversation with and that's just the nature of the sport this day this day and age you may not like that 
but college football has evolved. It is much closer to professional now. These guys are making NIL money. It's a tough situation. I'm not saying I like it, but it is true that you have to have the conversations like it may be best for you to enter the transfer portal. I don't have the ins and outs of how exactly that's going to go, but I know those conversations will be had with certain players on this roster. There are certainly players on this roster that Hugh Freeze wants to keep, that he wants to continue to work with and develop, but there are some that, that might need to move on that don't that aren't up to the level that they need to be to play in the SEC and play at Auburn moving forward. So it, it is going to be a, a crazy month moving forward. You're going to see some guys enter the portal that might surprise you from both leaving Auburn, guys from other schools that will hop in that might surprise you, it, it, it is going. I hate that I don't have a show during this time period because it is crazy to to watch and watch it all play out. So make sure you're staying up to date. I because I won't be having a show. Make sure you're following me on social media. I'll write plenty of articles. I'm sure in order to get my thoughts out there on WeagleFM.com. I'll post stuff on social media. So make sure you're giving me a follow there at Talking Tumors. And don't forget, Auburn's still got another game. I know I'm not focusing on it a ton just because we don't know where it's going to be who Auburn's going to play, but they, they've still got a bowl game to prepare for. Coaches talk about how important this bowl, bowl games are because it allows you more practice time. It allows you to really work with your younger guys and develop them, get them more practice. So I, I think it's kind of like a mini spring, if you will, to try to, to try to develop some of these younger guys. Now, some of them may hit the portal, and they won't practice for bowl games. That is what it is. But I do think the, this is important, so... Hugh Freeze has talked a little bit about his bowl plan. I'm sure he's probably talking about it a little bit now. I'll be interested to see what that looks like. But I do think the the majority of the focus right now for the staff will be recruiting. But they'll make sure the team's ready to go. But as I mentioned before, ultimately, it'll come down to who's motivated more. Uh, that'll determine who will win in, in the bowl game. It always does. That, that's the case in every game, but really, in, in bowl games, it, it matters. So we'll see how that plays out. In the end, I'd rather Hugh Freeze and Auburn be spending more time on recruiting and getting the talent where it needs to be. I understand some may, may disagree with that philosophy, but that that's where I stand on that. All right, I wanted to get to some questions that I know many Auburn fans have had and have asked me, and so I just compiled here a couple to discuss uh, right now. The first one I've got is, will Auburn take a transfer quarterback slash kind of thoughts on Peyton Thorne? Get, get, have gotten a lot of questions about that. I absolutely believe Auburn will take a transfer quarterback. What type, what level will that quarterback be? I'm That I'm not sure about. Will it be more of a depth piece? Or will it be someone who actually can come in and compete to be the starting quarterback next year? I think it will be someone who can compete to be the starter next year, but Without a doubt, Auburn will take a quarterback because I'll be very surprised if Robbie Astro returns. We don't know what the case may be with Holden Garner and whether he returns. So I definitely believe Auburn will take a transfer QB. Some names to watch. One big name to watch is Riley Leonard at Duke. Mike Elko, the Duke head coach, just got hired to Texas A&M. Riley Leonard got hurt this year but has been a fantastic quarterback. Going into this season, he was a top 10, pushing top 5 NFL QB. Because of his injury, may have fallen a little bit. If he decides to stay in college one and then to transfer to Auburn, I believe would probably be the team to beat. He's from Fairhope, so obviously the state of Alabama connections there. That would be a huge, huge get 
for Hugh Freeze. But there's also going to be some other guys that I'm sure will enter that Hugh Freeze and his staff will give a good look at moving forward. But as for Peyton Thorne, very impressed by his performance on Saturday. He laid it all on the line. I said in my keys for the Iron Bowl, his running was going to be key if Auburn's going to have a chance. Auburn struggled to throw the ball. We knew that would be the case. But he ran hard. He didn't avoid hits. He, he gave it everything he had. He impressed me. Auburn can win games with Peyton Thorne. No, he's not going to be a, a Heisman-level quarterback. But Auburn can absolutely win games with him. So if he's the starter next year, it, it, won't, it won't be devastating to me. If he's not, that also won't be devastating to me. But I do think Auburn can win games with him. I do think Hugh Freeze can be successful with him if they can improve the situation around him, meaning improving that wide receiver room, improving uh, the offensive line. They can do that. I I do think he can be successful, but we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, I do like Peyton, but I don't know what the case may be moving forward for him. He could also decide to pack things up in college and just say, I'll take my chances in the NFL. I highly doubt that'll be the case, but that, that could be something to watch. Another big question is, will Philip Montgomery, Auburn's offensive coordinator, be back next season? Again, these are all pure speculation on my hand, so don't think I have any special intel or anything like that. My guess here on Philip Montgomery is no. I just don't think it worked out. I, when Hugh Freeze was hired, and he, and if you remember listening to me a, a year ago at this time, when Hugh Freeze was hired and talking about his staff, I remember... I wasn't excited when he talked about wanting to give up play calling. It just, I understood the reasoning. He, he wanted to spend time recruiting, and in that aspect, it has paid off this year. But it just hasn't gone well. Whenever you're trying to mesh offenses, it rarely works out well, and it hasn't worked very well with Philip Montgomery. So I'd be surprised if he were back. It, it'll probably be a mutual parting of ways. I, I don't know if Hugh Freeze will just straight up fire him. I, I think you could see Philip Montgomery looking, looking at some other options. Nothing gets Philip Montgomery. Just didn't just didn't work out. Didn't mesh well. And Hugh Freeze is to blame some for that as well. He didn't feel comfortable with someone else calling the offense, but he also was you know wanted to spend more time recruiting, so he didn't necessarily want to be that involved in it. And so he went back and forth on that. So I don't know what the future is going to look like as far as the OC position. Whether Hugh Freeze will take over play calling full time next year, or whether he'll just try to bring in someone else that maybe understands his philosophy a little bit better, and that remains to be seen, but I would be surprised at this time if Philip Montgomery was back. I will say, though, as far as staff changes go, more than likely you won't have any until after early signing day. Typically, that is the case. That can be a little bit different if a, if a coach you know leaves to join another staff somewhere that, that had, a, had a coach fired, but typically in these scenarios... You, you try to get the early signing period, get pen to paper with a lot of these recruits, and then move on. When that doesn't happen, it usually, a lot of times, it just means there's not there's some bad blood between some, some coaches. I don't think that's the case here at Auburn, but that's just something to watch. I wouldn't expect any staff changes until after the season. Plus, Auburn has a bowl game. Who all will transfer out? That That is a tough question. I, I, I certainly believe, as I mentioned, Robbie Ashford, think there's some guys that are kind of down on the depth chart in the secondary that would be to watch a couple guys down the depth chart defensive line maybe on the offensive line I don't I don't think wide receiver room certainly you'll you'll see some guys it, it'll probably be close to double digits as far as transfers go 
they there might be one or two that Auburn didn't want to transfer out that that do, but I think the majority it's not going to hurt Auburn Auburn's feeling a feeling. So I don't want to go too much into specific names, but but I do think it'll be it'll be a sizable number. I don't think you'll see anything like the twenties or something like that. But I think you could see uh, double digits as far as guys transferring out. Another big question I've gotten is about Marcus Harris and whether he'll return and. To, to Auburn. DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett have already accepted senior bowl invites, meaning they're they're going to the NFL. They need to. DJ James has a chance to be a, a first, second round pick in the NFL draft. Marcus Harris, I believe he's going to go to the NFL. If Auburn can put together a strong enough NIL package, it's possible that he could come back. If he does come back, that would be huge for this Auburn defensive front. This Auburn defense line, as we know, was not deep this year. They weren't overly talented. Really, Marcus Harry carried this defensive line on his back. He gave it all, he, all he's had. You forget, he was a transfer. This is his third year now, but he transferred originally from Kansas. He does have another year of eligibility, if he were to choose to say. Again, would be great for Auburn. I'm not really expecting that. I, I think that it is likely that he will move on to the NFL, but be great news, be welcome news if he decided to return. Another question is just any other staff changes besides offense coordinator. It's hard to, there's none that are obvious at the moment, but usually there's always a surprise or two that catches you off guard. I, I would assume Ron Roberts would be back. I know some people were frustrated with him after the Iron Bowl, but overall the defense overachieved this year, so I'd be very surprised if he were gone. Wesley McGriff moved to an off-the-field role from defensive back coach and off-the-field role, so what happens there will be interesting to follow, whether he stays in that role or whether he moves on. So again, Zach Etheridge is, is, of course, an Auburn guy, but a very good coach. Does he get an opportunity to be a defense coordinator somewhere? Does that pull him away? That's always a risk. He's one of Auburn's best recruiters, so Hugh Freeze will certainly do everything he can to keep him, but that'll be something to watch. As well, so there's always some 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 surprise moves. If they do happen, we'll discuss them in January when when we are back on air. Well, that'll wrap things up for our Auburn football dis- discussion. When we get back, we will move to Auburn basketball. Plenty to talk about there as well. But I mean, just to summarize, a lot's going to happen over the over the next month. And I'm off air. So much is going to happen with the transfer portal and high school recruiting, and the bowl game will take place. Buckle your seatbelt. That's all That's all I can say. Don't be swayed too much by emotion, especially with recruits. It's going to go back and forth, back and forth so much before before signing day with, with a lot of guys that you're someone who does follow recruiting closely. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the end. I think Auburn will finish strong in recruiting. They're sitting in a good spot with a lot of really, really high-level high-level players, and then again, with this program moving forward, I like where this program is at. I like what Hugh Freeze has done so far. Really excited about the future. Look, anyone can point if it doesn't work out. Nothing is a guarantee in this sport. This Because I like where things sit right now doesn't mean I like where things sit a year from now. But as of right now, I like where this program is headed. And I know if, if, if Hugh Freeze ends up not being a success at Auburn, people will, will point back and say, well, he went 6-6 six and six and lost to New Mexico State in year one. That should have been the sign. No, that that's not true. you got to put context behind things. I don't 
I don't, again, I think Hugh Freeze is going to be successful, so I don't ever think we'll have that argument. But going ahead and jumping the gun, nothing right now that you can point out, in my opinion, you can point out and say, well, this, this will tell you that Hugh Freeze won't be successful. There's no, no guarantee that he will be successful. But the signs, there are a lot more signs that are there that he will be than he won't be. So that's my final thoughts for now. I'll have more when I get back in January once we've seen signing day, once we've seen the bowl game. That's where I stand right now. So let's get to our second break, and when we return, we'll dive in to Auburn basketball here on Weagle 91.1. Hi, I'm Matt Kenseth. You don't have to be a race car driver to know. Auburn basketball has a big week ahead, really a big month ahead. Since I was last on air, Auburn won the tournament in New York City. They beat Oklahoma State, and then they beat St. Bonaventure. Two good wins, not two incredible teams, but but Auburn won both pretty comfortable. So a lot of good basketball is played up there. Then they beat Alabama A&M at home. This team is still yet to reach their full potential, and as I've said before, I think this team is poised to peak in March. So I'm okay with that. You want to see improvement. I think Bruce Pearl continues to coach this team really hard because he knows their potential. So he's been frustrated with with some of their lackluster play, especially in the second half on the defensive end. Even against Alabama A&M, Auburn scored 49 points in the first half, held Alabama A&M to like 17. Then the second half was just ugly. Again, Auburn continues to play down to their level of competition too much, and that's something that absolutely has to improve for this team moving forward. They need to be more consistent. They need to not let the opponent affect the level they're playing at. That's a difficult thing to do. Only the elite of elite can do that in any sport, whether it's football, whether it's basketball, baseball, whatever it is, not be affected by everything else. Can this Auburn team get to that point? I think they can, but they are not there yet. So maturity has has to continue to happen for, for this team going forward if they want to reach their full potential. Chaney Johnson, want to shout him out. He had his breakout game, as I said, it was going to happen at some point against Alabama A&M. He actually didn't even have an assist in that game, which is rare for him, but scored in double digits. He continues to be really good on the defensive end and rebounding. Offensive game is still raw. He's still got to develop uh, on that end, but that's okay. Really good to see him have a, have a big game. Happy for him, and hopefully that'll that'll spark him to continue to play at a, at a high level. Aiden Holloway and Janai Broom continue to be the stars of this team so far this season. Can't say enough about Aiden Holloway and the player that he is. Again, Auburn's going to have to work hard to get him, find ways to get him open looks because defenses are going to defend him in a way that makes it difficult for him to get open threes, especially in the pick-and-roll game. So Auburn has done some really good designs. I thought Bruce Pearl's drawn up some really pretty pretty things on the offensive end to get him open looks. He's the best shooter on the team, so Auburn will need to do that. Janai Broom continues to play really well, uh, just like Aiden Holloway, doing his thing scoring and rebounding. Yes, if I'm nitpicking, I would like to see Broom be more physical on the defensive end to rebound a little bit better, but I cannot complain. His stats are incredible and he continues to be a big piece for this Auburn team this season. One player I did want to mention, Denver Jones. He was banged up before the first game in New York City in the tournament. He did play. He played through the injury that day. 
uh, in, in New York City in the first game against Oklahoma State. Didn't have a pretty game, but played better against St. Bonaventure in the second game. He's someone that Auburn's got to figure out how to get more involved. The, the scoring has been very spread out. This is a, which is a good thing. You want to see a team play like this. This is not a team that has a ball hog. They have a very high assist rate as far as assist rate goes on baskets scored, one of the highest in the country, meaning it's very rare for this Auburn team just have one guy get it and drive to the basket. Maybe Katie Johnson occasionally, uh, but, but this team is always passing the ball. They're not someone who's constantly looking for their look. But I think I want Denver Jones to push the issue a little bit more because I think Auburn's going to need another really good scoring threat besides Aiden Holloway and Janai Broom and this this month against some of the opponents, and especially in conference play. So I'd like to see him getting more involved and taking matters maybe into his own hands a little bit more. Bruce Pearl has talked about Denver Jones' ability to get to the basket, something that is something they worked on, not just being a spot-up shooter. You've got that with guys like Chad Baker-Mazzara. You need Denver Jones to be more aggressive in taking matters into his own hands. I'd like to see that more this this uh, upcoming month and moving forward. Auburn's going to be challenged over this next month, as, as I mentioned. They played Virginia Tech on Wednesday night. It'll be By that point, it'll be over a week since Auburn has last played. So that'll will they be rusty? I hope not, coming off Thanksgiving break. Hopefully they're locked back in. They'll play Virginia Tech, who's coming off a 34-point loss to FAU. F, that is the same FAU team that made the Final Four, though, last season. So I would not put too much stock into that loss. Virginia Tech is a good team. This will be a tough challenge for Auburn on Wednesday nights. An 8-15 tip, so a super, super late tip there. Virginia Tech shoots with three really well, especially. I would not be surprised if this one was a little bit of a barn burner if it was a finish with both teams in the 80s, something like that with the way Auburn's defense has been and the way Auburn's offense plays. This could be a really fun game to watch, but it could be a nerve-wracker. This is a Auburn needs to win this game, though. They need they need a big-time win. They play the three biggest games they play in non-conference are Virginia Tech, uh, Indiana and Atlanta, and USC at home. Auburn needs to win two out of three of those games to get some really good quality wins. Again, St. Bonaventure, Oklahoma State, those aren't bad wins. Those are good wins. But the... These three games will be really big. And even App State, that is a sneaky one on Sunday. It's a, it's a noon tip, uh, 1 o'clock tip there in App State, but noon tip central time on, on Sunday afternoon. So this is a big week. This is a dangerous week for Auburn basketball. It could be a really good week, but it could also be one that will make you start questioning some things. So if, if Auburn plays at the level they're capable of playing at right now, this isn't even – meaning they play at the level they can reach, but just at their highest level that we've seen to this point, this shouldn't be, Auburn shouldn't be any in any real dangers. They should win Wednesday night, and they should win on Sunday. But I do think this is going to be a, a, a tough week for the Tigers. This will be challenging. How do they respond at home? And then how do they do going on the road uh, before final exam week, nonetheless? Are they locked in? Are they mature enough to handle that? We'll find out. Then the... the but as for this next month, again, another thing, I hate to not be able to talk about Auburn basketball over this next month, so I'm sure I will also have some articles out on Auburn basketball and release kind of some, some thoughts on social media about this team as these games are played. They'll also more than likely play two conference games, I believe, before I'm back on air. So a lot will happen. We'll find out a ton about this team over the next month or so. 
between these these big non-conference games. They'll also have some games against Chattanooga and Alabama State in there um, that'll you know kind of be a little bit more of your quote unquote cupcake games. Although after the fo- football's lost to New Mexico State, we we may be a little bit uh, hesitant to say those words, but. That'll, that'll be the case for Auburn basketball. So looking forward to seeing how this team grows, how they develop over this next month or so. Again, really excited about this team this year. Really excited about what they can accomplish. So I hope they play well over these next few games. So if you're not watching Auburn basketball, you'll definitely want to be tuned in, even for the, even for the late tip on Wednesday night. Alrighty, we will head to our final break. And when we return, we'll bounce off of Auburn just for a bit to close out our final show of the semester and talk about conference championship games this Saturday. Should be a fun one in college football. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. Will happen starting Friday night, actually, and, and then, of course, on Saturday. A lot of really, really big conferences. I've got just the Power 5 conferences here. The last Pac-12 championship game, as we know it, will take place on Friday night between Oregon and in Washington, a rematch of a game that Washington won. Surprisingly, honestly, Oregon should have won that one. Again, like I said, I don't like to say should have. But Oregon made some questionable decisions. Dan Lanning made some questionable calls in that game. They ended up losing that game at Washington earlier in the year. They'll play in Las Vegas now on Friday night. I like Oregon. I like Oregon win big. I think the line actually may be nine points on this game. So, so does Vegas. They like Oregon a lot in this one. Washington's a good team. Michael Penix, those receivers out there, very, 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 very good. But Oregon's playing, I think, at a national championship level. Their defense is is playing really well now under Dan Lanning. And Bo Nix, man, more than likely going to win the Heisman. He's been phenomenal for, for Oregon this year. Of course, you all know, if you've listened to this show for a while, that I'm biased towards Bo Nix. I hope he does win the Heisman. His, I'm one of his biggest fans out there. I hope that, that he leads Oregon to a Pac-12 championship game. So maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I do believe Oregon's going to win this one and, and win it pretty pretty handily, and that'll should solidify them a spot in the college football playoff come Sunday on Selection Sunday there. So I like Oregon. I like Oregon big in this one over Washington. Oklahoma State plays Texas in the Big 12 championship game. What a wild ride it was this year in the Big 12. There were so many possible tiebreaker scenarios. Oklahoma State had a win in overtime against BYU to make it to the Big 12 championship game. Weird, weird year for Oklahoma State. They lost to South Alabama at the beginning of the season, yet somehow still made, still made it to the Big 12 championship game. Texas has had some major injuries. They're playing good football. I don't think they're playing elite football. But Oklahoma State's not beating them. Oklahoma State's not good enough to compete with them up front. Quinn Ewers and the the uh, players that, like Xavier Worthy that they have out wide, uh, Adonai Mitchell. It'll it'll be too much for for Oklahoma State. You you can never count Mike Gundy out as a head coach. He always has his teams ready for big games, especially. But this is another one that I don't think will be that close. I think Texas will win and more than likely put themselves in a position to make the college football playoff as well. So I like Texas in this game over Oklahoma State. Now, Georgia at Alabama. I'm going to skip over that one and come back to that one too close. Let's go to Michigan 
versus Iowa in the Big Ten. I picked, well, I didn't do it publicly. I didn't have time on my last show before, uh, last show I was on air to pick rivalry weekend. But off air, I did pick Ohio State to beat Michigan. That did not happen. Despite Jim Harbaugh being suspended, Michigan won their third straight against Ohio State. This is a very good team. This is a team that can win a national championship. They don't have the most explosive offense, but they play good complementary football, and they know how to win. They're led by a quarterback in J.J. McCarthy that doesn't turn the ball over much. They lean on their run game. They're playing an Iowa team that, well, can't score 20 points. Iowa has a very good defense. We saw this game, I believe, last year as well. Iowa may keep it close early with their defense. Eventually, Michigan will wear them down. And I think this one will be another blowout. I know that you may get tired of uh, of me saying that, but I do think a lot of these games are not going to be close. And I hate that for Conference Championship weekend, so I hope I'm wrong. But I do think Michigan will win this one, and they'll win this one handily over Iowa on, on Saturday. Now, there are two games I do think will be close. First is Louisville and Florida State. Louisville lost to Kentucky in their rivalry game on Saturday. They were a top-10 team. No, they weren't going to make the playoffs, but they would have had a pretty. They would at least had an argument had they won out, won the ACC, and were a one-loss team, ACC conference champion. That didn't happen, so they have two losses now heading into conference championship week. But then you've got Florida State, who did survive the upset threat. I really thought there was a good chance that Florida might upset them in the swamp on Saturday night. It didn't happen. Florida State survived. Of course, as you haven't been following Jordan Travis. Their starting QB got injured the week before against North Alabama, so he's out for the year. He didn't play in the Florida game. He won't play, as I mentioned, the rest of the season. So I think this one will be tight. But overall, and then their backup did get banged up in the Florida game, so I don't know if Tate Rodenmaker will be able to play or not uh, for sure in the conference championship game. So about as worst-case scenario as you could get if you're a Seminole fan. Somehow, some way, though, They'll find a way to win, and if they do, they're getting in the college football playoff. If not, it'll be stunning because they will be undefeated. It doesn't matter that Jordan Travis went down. If they're undefeated, they win the ACC. They should be in the college football playoff. It doesn't matter what the result might be. There's going to be a lot of team people cheering against Florida State because they don't want to see a blowout in the first round, and I get that. But there's something about an injury that kind of revitalizes a team and they'll rally behind whoever's that quarterback on Saturday, and they'll find a way against Louisville. I do think it'll be a battle. It'll be like the Florida game. It'll be tough, but they'll find a way. Keon Coleman, those guys out wide at receiver for Florida State, will, will find a way to make a few plays in one-on-one matchups, and they'll get the win. And let's talk about the SEC championship game. Yet again, it's Auburn's two biggest rivals. It's Georgia, and it's Alabama. If Alabama does somehow pull off this win on Saturday in the SEC Championship game against Georgia, it'll just add insult to injury because they'll get, more than likely, they'll get into the college football playoff at that point. It's not a sure thing that they would if if Texas and Florida State uh, and possibly even um, if Washington win. It's not a not a guarantee that Alabama would if um, if they were to win this game, but a good chance that they that they would. So it would add insult to injury if they do win this game. Watching them on Saturday, Auburn won that game up front. I didn't mention this when I was you know recapping the game 
at the beginning of the show, but Auburn won the game up front. Auburn ran for over 260 yards, averaged 5.4 yards per carry, I believe. Alabama's not beating Georgia playing like that, but a good point was made by my favorite college football podcast, YouTube show to watch and listen to, Josh Pate, uh, Late Kick Live. He, he mentioned on his shows off watching it this morning, that won't be Alabama team that you'll see uh, Saturday in Atlanta. And he's right. Just like last week when I was, it wasn't on air, but that was when I was talking to friends and family about the New Mexico State game, the Iron Bowl, I discussed how the Auburn team you saw against New Mexico State is not the Auburn team you're going to see against Alabama. There's so many different versions of a team within a season. You got the worst version against New Mexico State. You got one of the best versions of Auburn against Alabama. I, I knew that was going to be the case. I wasn't sure if it would matter if it was the best version in the uh, of Auburn in the Iron Bowl. I wasn't sure that would matter that much. Ultimately, it did because Auburn came close to winning that game. But I say all that to say you'll get the best version, I believe, of Alabama in the SEC championship game. But you'll get the best version of Georgia, too. So with that being said, I still believe it is true Bama has issues up front. Their offense, they figured out how to scheme better to put them in put themselves in a better chance to have success, but this is still a team with serious flaws on the offensive side of the ball up front at least. But you can argue defensive line as well considering Auburn's success running the football. Georgia will be able to exploit that better than Auburn was able to though. Georgia doesn't have super, super elite pass rushers, but they do have more talent there than Auburn does. I do think Alabama will struggle to run the ball. Alabama's key to winning this game will be Jalen Milrow. He can win this game for them. They cannot win this game playing old school, though. They, they cannot just depend on an old-fashioned run game. Jalen Milrose going to have to make things happen when plays break down. He can absolutely do that. If he does, Alabama has a chance. If George is able to contain him and force him to make tough throws, I think Georgia will win this game. Offensively for Georgia, Carson Beck's been playing really well. He's got to play mistake-free football, though. Turn the, If he turns the ball over, and gives Alabama short fields, allows them to make things happen, then then Alabama also will be in a, in a good spot. I like Georgia, though, in this game. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I do think Georgia will win by a touchdown or so in this one. I, I do think Jalen Milrow will play well. He's not an easy guy to slow down. We know that. We saw that on Saturday. But I think ultimately Georgia is the better team. This Bama team maybe has been able to hide some of their flaws, but their flaws are still there nonetheless. And I think Auburn exploited some of them. I think Georgia will exploit them to a higher degree this Saturday. Well, that is it. That concludes our final show of the semester. Don't worry, though. Talking Tumors is not done. We will be back in the spring or the winter in January for the spring semester. Again, please make sure you're following me on social media at Talking Tumors. Make sure you're checking the website at WeGoFM.com for any articles that I will put out over the break as well. So if you want to still be getting my thoughts on things, make sure you're checking there. Thank you, whether you're listening live or listening in person. I'll see you in January. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com and follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU or Eagle and see you next time.